right. Uh, hopefully I'm on. I think I can hear myself now. I was with you guys in, I guess it was September of last year. It feels like 10 years ago. So this morning, I woke up after doing some yard work yesterday with my wife of many years. And you think in your mind that you're still young. And then you do several hours of yard work. You wake up the next morning and you're looking for the bus that hit you the night before. So this morning, and my wife is not a person who really tolerates sickness. I don't know what it is. She just, you can't cough, you can't sneeze, you can't, you know, it's just like, her idea of getting well is get on the treadmill and sweat it out. And I'm like, I can barely stand. I can't get on the treadmill. So whenever I get up and I do any kind of moaning or groaning, I have to check myself because I'm not going to get any sympathy there because she doesn't require any sympathy when she's sick. So I've learned over the 34 years to suffer in silence. So uh, that's a matter of prayer. No, it's not. Um, It's awesome to be able to do work. I'm grateful for bodies that God has blessed us with to be able to do hard work. And as you get older, you recognize that you can still do the work of the 13, 14, 15-year-old, but the next morning when they're ready to go again, you're like, trying to stumble out of bed to, you know, take a hot shower or whatever and get those muscles going. So if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Psalm chapter 23, a very familiar passage. Uh, I do a lot of funerals as a military chaplain, and uh, this is one of the primary go-to passages when we're doing a, uh, a ceremony or, or a funeral that help comfort people during uh, some very difficult times. But I want to submit to you that it's not just for funeral times that this chapter is good. And I'm going to present this morning uh, through this message the idea that we need a shepherd now. We need to be connected to the shepherd now. And so Psalm chapter 23, verse 1, we're just going to look at one verse today. Uh, Psalm chapter 23, verse 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And I want to focus on that today, but let's pray and then we'll dive in. Father, we thank you so much for the wonderful opportunity to be at Calvary Chapel. I'm so grateful as I look out, I see so many familiar faces. And Lord, I I recognize uh, what an incredible blessing that their pastor, Pastor Rich Chapman, has done uh, with his congregation as a blessing to them as their under-shepherd under you uh, to be a blessing to these folks. And Lord, it's evident as you look at their faces, as as you talk with them, they have been well cared for. And that really is the key as we're looking at you, we're looking at our pastors, God, to be able to say we've been well cared for. And so I pray that you would speak through me this morning, God, that you would help me to say the things that you've placed on my heart. Lord, I recognize this morning that there's some folks here that are hurting. Uh, They're going through difficult waters. They're They're struggling with the loss of a loved one or someone who's not doing well, maybe in the hospital. Maybe they've got some relationship issues this morning or, Father, they've got uh, children who are not uh, cooperating with them or parents who are dealing with end-of-life issues. Right now, God, I pray that you would minister to each of us where we are as the Good Shepherd. Father, we need your care. We need your love. We need your sustenance. Help us, Father, open our hearts to receive from you what you have for us today. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So verse 1 for chapter 23, 
is really the essence of the entire chapter. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And the idea on I shall not want is he takes care of everything. So I want to challenge you this morning as well as comfort you as we think about God, Jesus Christ, being our shepherd. And really, this verse 1 is, is, uh, describes all the things that he's going to do in particular the, in the rest of chapter 23. So in order to get the benefits of part 2 of verse 1, he takes care of everything, we cannot skip part 1 of verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. So we all want our needs to be met. I can't imagine anyone. If I were to ask you, anybody here don't want their needs to be met? I don't think there'd be any hand that goes up. All of us want our needs to be met. And if the Lord is our shepherd, we, some people think that then if we give him that power, that control, he'll take too much control and too much power in our life. So most of us know the Lord is our Savior, but is he our shepherd as well? And that's what I want to challenge you with this morning. So in order to do that, we really have to look at verse 1, those first several words, and kind of break it down. And I want to encourage you with these words. So the first couple of words we're going to look at is, the Lord, in the part of the Lord is my shepherd. So that begs the question, who is the Lord? Notice it's not a Lord, but it's the Lord. If he is to be my shepherd, what are his credentials? What is his character? Anytime you're looking at a, a new job situation, you go in as an interview, and that's always nerve-wracking when you're being examined by a, a potential employer. My philosophy has also been to examine their credentials. You know, they're looking at you to see if you're a good fit, but we should be looking at them to make sure they're a good fit for us as well. So, so what are God's credentials when we look at him as our shepherd? What's his character? So there's several things I want to encourage you with. Number one, he is the self-existent one. So we're looking at the Lord. Who is he? He is the self-existent one. The Lord is Yahweh. In fact, this is God's formal name. The Jewish people were so much in awe of that name, and it was so sacred to them that it was God's unspoken name. They didn't supply any vowels to that. In fact, they would not even speak the name because it was so holy. And I think we could probably be encouraged by that and take a few uh, words of encouragement from that in our own attitude about God. So he's Yahweh. God exists because God exists. Nothing outside of God created him. Now that is hard for us to imagine with our finite brains, but God is and it's always been. Nothing outside of God controls him. So he is the self-existent one, this, this God that we serve. Number two, he's the self-sufficient one. He depends on nothing outside of himself in order to be God. When we have a need, we must look to someone or something else to meet that need. God's not that way. If we're hungry, we must find food. If we're cold, we must find heat. God never goes outside of himself for anything. Now think about that for a moment. That's comforting to me. He is completely self-contained. He doesn't need anything outside of himself. All that he requires or needs, he is. That's so different than where we are. Listen to Exodus chapter 3, verse 14 says, And God said to Moses, I am who I am. 
And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. So he's a self-existent one. He's a self-sufficient one. He is the unchanging one. Malachi 3.6 says, for I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. I love Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God's essential nature does not change. Why? Because He cannot change. We live in a world where everything changes. Just look at the internet, turn on the TV, turn on the radio, things change. In, in fact, we're now on a like hour-to-hour news cycle. It used to be you could go for days and, without hearing any major news, but now it's almost moment by moment. We live in that world that everything changes. The weather changes, the health changes, our finances change, our relationships change. We change. God never changes. And that means that God is the most consistent thing in your life. Think about that for a moment. In a world that's changing constantly, we serve a God that doesn't change. He is consistent. We need to get this. The most dependable thing you have going for you is not your family. It's not your friends. It's not your money. It's not even your job. It's God. He's the most consistent thing. So if you're, having, if you're going to have a shepherd, make sure that he's the right kind of shepherd. Some shepherds are gentle and kind to their sheep. Some shepherds don't care about their sheep and let them struggle, starve, and suffer. We know the kind of shepherd that God is because the Bible tells us about him, and he hasn't changed. So he's also the sustaining one. He keeps the rivers flowing and the breezes blowing and the fields and flowers grow. And that's the God we serve. All this stuff around us, because God doesn't change, is because he is who he said he is. Genesis chapter 8, verse 22 says this, While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer and day and night shall not cease. And the only reason that can be true is because God doesn't change. He keeps the earth in its orbit and it keeps it revolving around the sun. He manages the affairs of all the stars that he alone knows the number of. His resume, the Bible, proves that he is the one to be our shepherd. So the question this morning, here at the beginning of this message, is he your shepherd? Is he your shepherd? Is he my shepherd? This is huge. When you've challenged, or when you're challenged, or tested, or stretched, when and where, and when you actually need help, where do you go first? Where do you look? Who do you turn to first? Most people try everything else first, and, and everyone and everything first, and when they have failed them, then they turn to God. Think about your last crisis, whatever that was. It was a car problem, maybe it was a health issue, Maybe it was a financial issue. Maybe it was a relationship issue. Whatever that last crisis was, whatever or whoever you went to first for help in that crisis, that is your shepherd. Now, that's sobering because I'm thinking about my own crises, and we all have them sometimes daily. And I'm thinking a lot of times what we do is 
We pull out the wallet, the credit card, and say, hey, see if this can take care of that. The problem with that is that you only have so much credit. <laughs> and, oh, there's a bill that's coming, too. So who do you go to? What do you go to when you're in a crisis? And that's really important for us to understand. So who is the Lord Jesus Christ? As the good shepherd, he is the creator. He directly is responsible for the creation of all things, both natural and supernatural. He speaks to us. He talks personally to his sheep. John chapter 10, verse 27 says this, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. There's a responsibility. Uh, he laid down his life for us, his sheep. 1 Peter 5, 4, And when the chief shepherd appears, you sh will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. So that's the Lord. The foundation of his uh, claim to be the, the great shepherd, the good shepherd, is that he is the Lord. So let's look at the next word, is. The Lord is. There's a couple of things about that I want to share with you. Is means confidence. There is no if or I hope so. The Lord is my shepherd. Some people away from God would say the Lord was my shepherd. Some people want God sometime in the future and would say the Lord will be my shepherd. But the child of God, and hopefully this is your testimony, says with confidence, the Lord is my shepherd. Is means today. When God says, I am who I am, one thing he is saying is that he is our God in the present tense, right now. He's the eternally present one. When I have a need, and I don't know about you guys, you're probably similar to me. When I have a need, it is now. When I'm struggling, I need help now. When I have a hurt, my hurt is now. God meets us in our present circumstances. What is it you're going through this morning? What is it that kept you up late last night? What is it that you're anticipating this next week, maybe even tomorrow, that's really causing you to, to fret, causing you to be in turmoil, causing you to be frustrated, causing you to be emotionally distraught? We need help now. And God, the Lord is my shepherd. He is present tense now. So we need help. And sometimes it's not just struggling now, but it's struggling tomorrow. Listen to Matthew 6, 24. It says, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. God doesn't want us to worry about tomorrow. When we get, tomorrow, when we get there, he'll be there too. Not only is he here now, but he'll be there tomorrow as well. God is here now helping us today, and that should give us the confidence that he will be there tomorrow. And that's called faith. It's one of the most difficult things that I've had to do in my life, and probably yours as well, is to have faith. To recognize that this God who doesn't change, this God who is present, is there working in and through the circumstances. All of us have had tough times. And we could go through probably a litany of things that we've struggled with. But whatever it is, God has promised he is committed to helping us through those difficult times. But it's still scary. He didn't say that you wouldn't cry. He didn't say you wouldn't be afraid. But he did say that I will go through those situations with you. Whatever it is you're facing this morning, 
or this next week. God has committed himself to going through those situations with you. He's helping us now. I love the story of the children of Israel in the wilderness. When God provided manna for the children of Israel in the desert, he only provided enough manna for one day. Now think about that. God, who is able to do anything, he could have said, here's your manna for the next month. So use it wisely, set it aside, I'll preserve it, good to go. But he wanted to train them to have faith. He gave them the manna for just the day. And if some of them got scared and, and stored it, guess what happened to that manna the next morning? It was rotten. It was spoiled. Once again, proving to them that, and he would give them more manna the next day. God is able, he's more than able to help us through those difficult times and to provide the needs that we have. So the Lord is, the next word is my. The Lord is my shepherd. It's not just a shepherd or the shepherd, but my shepherd. This shows us the individual personal shepherd that God is. If the Lord is the shepherd to no one else in my family, if he's not the shepherd to anyone else at my job or in my circle of friends, he is the shepherd to me. He is a shepherd to you. He cares for me. He watches over me, and he protects me. When I was here last time, many of you were here, I spoke about this idea of forgiveness and how difficult that is. And if you're like me, coming from a family, a dysfunctional family of origin, then this is one of those things that's really tough to do is to have confidence or to put your faith in something else outside of yourself. But God says, I've got this. I love you enough to be engaged, to be involved in your life. I'm going to help you. I'm going to be there for you. I've never struggled with the God is able. I feel like I've got that. I know that he's able. What I have struggled with because of my own unique family situation, my family of origin, it's not that God can't do it. I struggle with that God won't do it or chooses not to do it for me. And so this, this uh, metaphor of the shepherd is really special to me because it makes me realize that this God who created everything, who is definitely unchanging, self-existent, he's self-sustaining, that God is my shepherd. He's individual. He's right there with me in the struggles. Some of you are old enough to remember back in the 80s, I think it was, there was this um, poem in a frame. I'm, I'm not sure where it came from, but... Uh, as this man was looking back at his life, he would see these footsteps in the sand. And he would notice that sometimes there was one set of footprints, sometimes there were two sets of footprints. And he would, as he, upon closer examination, he realized that during those really difficult moments in his life, there was only one set of footprints. And then it would go back to two when, when the struggle was over. And he would say, God, what is that? In the moments that I needed you the most, I only had one set of footprints. And I love God's response. It was during those moments of most intense struggle, I carried you. You know, sometimes in our present circumstances, we lose sight of what God is doing in our lives. 
And, and those moments that we get like right here and we're desperate. And I love it that God's not forgotten us. God is right there. And it's real easy to get scared. It's real easy to get frustrated and blame God for whatever. But in those moments, God is our shepherd, carries us. He's emotionally, spiritually, and intimately involved in our lives. He's my shepherd. When we say the Lord is my shepherd, we're saying that he is the one we're depending on for our salvation to provide for our needs. Our shepherd has a unique relationship with us that will someday include a new secret name for us. I've always been intrigued by that, that God has a special secret name for us. This is kind of humiliating, but I'll say it anyway. My name, and I know um, my mom has told me that originally my name was supposed to be David. And the only reason my name isn't David now is because my dad, who wasn't a Christian, thought that was one of her old boyfriend's names. So he ixnayed that real quick, and so he came up with Kenneth, and that's my name, Kenneth. And so I've looked at my name, and all of you, if you Google your name, you'll find out what your name means. Hopefully it's good. But um, my name means handsome, and I was like, how did my parents know? They're like prophets, you know? Um, And it gets worse. Uh, First name is handsome, last name is Amador. Anybody speak Spanish in here? Amador means lover. Boom. And it gets even better. My middle name is Ray or Reyes. If you look in the Spanish Bible, first and second Reyes, first and second Kings means king. So king of the handsome lovers. How can you go wrong with a name like that? But there's an even more special name that God has for us that we are not aware of, that has been written down in heaven, and that's how he knows us. Now think about that. We all love to hear our names being spoken. You come up to someone and you haven't seen them for a while and you call them by name. That does something to us. I matter. I'm important enough to be remembered by my name. God has a secret, special name for us. That's the relationship that he has for us. And I'm very, very thankful. Listen to Revelation 2.17. It says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat. And I will give him a white stone. And on the stone, a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. That's an awesome thing. My shepherd, the one I want to be with. Sheep have different behaviors. I don't know if you've ever been around sheep. They're weird. And we'll talk more about them specifically in a moment. But we lived in Sicily for four years. And uh, we lived out in the economy. We had a villa there. Every day, I'd have to drive 30 minutes to get to work at the chapel. And um, they told us when we first arrived in Sicily, don't even think about hitting any of the sheep. I'm like, why? Well, apparently the sheep are the source of income, you know, for the, the wool and the meat and the prodigy of the, of the sheep. So they said, if you get the inkling or the desire to hit a sheep, even if you don't kill it, if you hurt it, it's 2,500 euros. Now, I don't know what the latest exchange rate is, but back then, that's about $3,400 for one sheep. 
And so, and that sounds horrible, but you understand that you're paying for not just that sheep, but all the babies it would have in the future. So you're driving to work, and these shepherds would have like two, three, four hundred sheep, and they're not fast. So you'd have to sit there and wait until they all crossed the road. And finally, you're making sure there's none on the other side of the hill because you don't want to hit one. When they're all gone, then you go at that point. They have different behaviors. Some, some sheep keep near the shepherd and instantly follow him with no hesitation and while others stray or hang back. They've got different, just like us, they've got different tendencies. I remember growing up in Española, New Mexico, the lowrider capital of the world. Now, lowrider has a different definition now than it did then. Lowriders now are the pants that are like hanging down, you know, like pull your pants up, dude. Back then, lowriders were the cars that were really close to the ground. They had hydraulics. They would jump and all kinds of stuff. Well, anyway, apparently, Espanola had more lowriders per capita than any place else in the world. That was the place I grew up in, which was kind of sad. But they, we had, uh, I've told you my story about my parents, and so we had lots of issues. But my favorite time of the week was to go to TGNY. The closest place I can think of that's like it is Benny's, which is no more. But the idea is it's got everything. It's got good prices. So immediately we'd go into TGNY, and my brother would disappear. He was gone. You couldn't find him. I, people, my mom would ask me, where's Keith? I have no idea. I'd ask, we couldn't find the guy. So he was constantly getting lost. But my mother never had to worry about me because where was I? I was where she was. I never was lost. I wanted to be where she was. If she bought stuff, I probably got some of that stuff because I was there. My brother, not so much. Never could find him. So he was always lost. Listen, the sheep that stay near the shepherd never get lost. They never get threatened by a wild animal, and they never go hungry or thirsty. Why? Because they're near the shepherd. Really, really good, important point. What is your relationship with the shepherd this morning? Are you living your life away from your shepherd? Do you find yourself lost at times, in danger at times, and without the basic needs of life at times, with the shepherd of your soul nowhere in sight? You know, they used to say, you know, if you find yourself away from God, he didn't move. We did. And that's the issue. God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you're not where the Savior is, the shepherd is, he didn't move, we did. There's two simple tasks that reveal your relationship with the shepherd. We find them in John chapter 10, verse 27, where it says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So here's the two questions that we need to answer. Are you listening to your shepherd's voice, or is it drowned out by the noise of your life? I don't know about you, but I like listening to music in my car. I, mean, I spend a lot of times in my car. And sometimes I use that to avoid thinking about whatever. And that's not good. We need to be still. We need to be quiet so we hear God's still, small voice when he speaks. So are you listening for your shepherd's voice? Number two, do you do what your shepherd says? Do you follow him? It's a scary thing to say to God, 
Use me. Send me wherever. Because he just might take you up on that. My wife and I met in a traveling singer group 150 years ago, it feels like, <laughs> when I was half the man that I am now and had half more hair then. And we used to sing a song that is a scary song to sing. And even then we had, you know, some reservations about it. But we sang the song that was entitled, and some of you might remember the song, Whatever It Takes. You remember that song or not? It's a scary thought because what you're telling God, God, I give you permission to do whatever you want in my life. Do whatever it takes to make me to be what you want me to be. That's powerful. Scary, too. Now, I mean, I'm not saying that God says, okay, you asked for it, here it goes, because he's going to do what he's going to do because he's God. But it's a scary thing when you say, God, do whatever it takes to draw me closer to you. Because you know what that means? That means that God's going to use circumstances. He's going to use people. He's going to use really bad, horrible things to cause us to be more dependent on him. The last word we're going to look at this morning is shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Let's look, God, look at God's standards for shepherds. Jeremiah 23 verse 4 says, I will set up shepherds over them who will feed them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, nor shall they be lacking, says the Lord. So these are obviously metaphors. So God is looking at you know, he's the, the, the good shepherd, but he also sets up shepherds, as I mentioned in my prayer, over congregations. Technically, they're under-shepherds because God is the good shepherd. But the under-shepherd, Pastor Chapman, has been placed at Calvary Chapel to shepherd the flock, which is you guys. And praise the Lord, you've got a great shepherd. He's a really, really good one, and he's done a good job. So there are several things that they need to do. Number one, they need to feed the sheep. And obviously feeding the sheep is, we're not talking, although we're going to have the potluck, that's awesome, we all like that, but we're talking about the Word of God. Taking the Word of God and breaking it down so that we understand it and apply it. This is an awesome book, as you guys know. Relevant, practical, and gives us the strength and the sustenance that we need to face the issues of life. So feed the sheep. Number two, remove fear. We get afraid. I love it that the word of God says, I heard it once, I haven't actually counted this, but I've heard that the words or something similar to fear not appears 365 times in the Bible. I can't say that I know that for sure, but if it's true, <laughs> that's an awesome thing. There's a lot of them in there. Fear not. Number three, remove dismay. We get discouraged. And sometimes that requires actually setting an appointment with our pastor and sitting down and saying, here's my situation, pastor. I've tried to keep it secret. I've tried to handle it myself. I've tried to figure this thing out, you know, in the best way I can. It's not being figured out. I need your help. The pastor is to supply everything. You know, listen to James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. He says, my brethren, count it all joy. When you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Now, I don't know if I said this the last time I was here, but I, I do think this verse here is 
an incredible verse because first of all, he's talking to Christians and he says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. There is not one person in this congregation that says, I enjoy going through trials. I love it. I am filled with joy because I'm going through problems. Nobody's going to say that. But the intent here from Pastor James there in Jerusalem, he is saying this, when you recognize that God and what he does in and through those trials, his game plan is to make you look like Jesus. That's called sanctification. He's going to use, he doesn't waste anything. So he uses the good and the bad, all of it, to conform us to the image of God. Because that's the intent. So when you have that view of problems, then you can count it all joy or consider it joy because you know what God is doing in your life. That's an awesome thing. He's not saying, like in uh, uh, confirmation of that, as Romans 8, 28 says, uh, all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. He's not saying that all things are good. He's saying, I'm using these things, good and bad, to make you look like Jesus. That's an awesome thought. A pastor also strengthens the weak, heals the sick, nurses the injured, search for the sheep that have been driven away. He goes and looks for them. Search for lost sheep. John 10, 11 says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Number 10, gives their life for the sheep. Now, hopefully not physically, but if you're living in China or living in some of these places where it's illegal to be a Christian, maybe, maybe. Thankfully, we're not in that situation here. So God has standards for shepherds. He also has standards for sheep. Now, I want to forewarn you, this is not flattering. Okay, so I don't like these characteristics, but this is what we've been likened to. You look in the Word of God, the New Testament, even the Old Testament, we're likened to sheep, and it's not complimentary. So here we go. So I forewarned you. You guys are sitting, so that's good. So God's standards for sheep. You must recognize that you are a sheep in need of a shepherd. Shepherds don't tend to wolves or dogs. Notice that? Shepherds aren't used to kind of corral the dogs or the wolves. They kind of do their own thing with their own packs. Shepherds tend sheep. There's a reason why they do that. Many people aren't seeing God meet their needs because they resist what being a sheep implies. So here we go. Characteristics of sheep. Number one, sheep are dumb. <laughs> Told you it wasn't flattering. Sheep are dumb. Think about if you've ever been around sheep, you know this is true. Sheep are dumb. Have you ever seen a trained sheep? They resist that. Now, some you might be able to do some things with them, but generally, overall, sheep resist being trained. If you want the Lord to be our shepherd, we must realize and admit how limited our intelligence really is in the grand scheme of things. Have you ever asked yourself, how could I have been so dumb? I've asked that my, to myself thousands of times in my life. I'm like, what was I thinking? Thinking I could do this or say that or go there. I, was, I must have been dumb or worse. Sheep regularly wander and stray because as many mistakes as they have already made, they still think they know what is best. 
Now think about that in your own life. Too often, we don't learn from our mistakes. We end up doing the same stupid thing over and over and over again. Isaiah 53, 6 says this, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Sheep are defenseless. Their arsenal is very limited. They have no fangs. They have no stingers. They have no claws. And they cannot run fast, fly, or swim. So it's pretty limited on the stuff that they can do. No professional sports teams are called sheep. There's nothing called the Los Angeles sheep or the New York sheep. It's just not there. Why? Because there's their qualities that it doesn't inspire anybody when you think, oh, we're playing the sheep. Okay, I guess mark that one down as a win. Sheep are not used for protection. There are no guard sheep. They don't exist. They don't guard anything. There are no one that shouts, sick them, sheep, because they don't do that. If we want the Lord to be our shepherd, we must realize how vulnerable we really are. And the last quality about sheep is sheep are dirty. Many animals have some method to clean themselves. Sheep will stay dirty forever unless the shepherd cleans them. If we want the Lord to be our shepherd, we must be willing to acknowledge that we're dirty and we're in need of the Savior's cleansing. As bad as these characteristics of sheep are, we must be willing to identify with sheep. The Bible identifies us as sheep. We need to recognize that as well. And that's really called humility. He wants us to be humble because God says in his word that he resists the proud but he enables and blesses and encourages those who are abased or humble. We truly are limited in our knowledge. We don't know everything. We may think we, are, we do, but we don't. And we have undesirable characteristics. The good news is this. When we identify with sheep, we can have the Lord as our shepherd and be under his care and his protection. Because we don't have all the... The, the defense things that maybe other creatures have, we do have the greatest, which is God, and he has promised to protect us. In conclusion this morning, having the Lord as your shepherd speaks of salvation, but it also speaks of allowing him to have control of our lives. Where are you this morning in your relationship with the shepherd? Are you far away? Can you not see where he is? and you're in danger, or you're right up real close to where the shepherd is, and your needs are being met by the shepherd. Are you someone who is too proud to be considered to be a sheep, and you're having struggles because you're going it alone, really? Who has control of your life? This morning, we're sitting here on this day, on this Sunday. Who controls your life? Do you control it? Do you think you control it, or does God control it? God desperately wants to work in your life to bless you and give you the sustenance that you need, the direction that you need. How much of your life do you need to turn over to the shepherd? Uh, if you're anything like me, 
I struggle with 100% commitment. I think some of it's pride, some of it's stupidity. I don't know. But I want God to have it all, the good, the bad, and the ugly, because I desperately need him in my life. I'm 56 years old. The greater part of my life is now over. I'm on the other side of the hill, and I want him to control my life, use me to whatever good he can in the remaining time that I have. Because that's really the most important thing. When I die in 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now, it won't be that long, um, the only thing that matters for my life is what I did for him. It doesn't matter what titles I've had. It doesn't matter what car I own. It doesn't matter how big my house was, if I had a boat or if I had a motorcycle. Or, all these things are fine. And God blesses us with them. But the most important thing that he's looking at outside of our salvation is, what did you do for me? And what I'm looking to hear from his lips, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That matters. And I'm hoping that's your heartbeat this morning as well. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, I thank you for your word. Um, I'm blown away by the relevance and the practicality of it. And Lord, I know in a group this size, there may be some people here that's going through tough times. And they feel like they're, they're going under. I want to challenge them. I want to encourage them to remember the shepherd. Help us all to daily reconnect with our good shepherd, Jesus Christ. I pray right now, Lord, maybe there's someone in this room that has never come to a point in their life where they've accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, let alone their shepherd. They've never accepted Jesus as their Savior. I pray that you would help them right now to recognize that's the start. That's the beginning. And I pray that you would help them to recognize that Jesus, when he died on that cross 2,000 years ago, he did it for them. He did it for me. He did it for us. Because he knew that we couldn't go into heaven with our own righteousness, which we don't have any righteousness. It's his righteousness alone that makes us eligible for heaven. And so, Father, if there's someone here this morning that that's their, where they are, they, they need a Savior, I pray that you would help them to get that right today, that they would seek someone here in the church um, to be able to get that settled. And maybe there's some here that are saved, but they're away from the shepherd. Help them, Lord, to recommit in the quietness of this place and this time, recommit to reconnecting with the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Father, help us to be reminded that you want to work in our lives. I'm so grateful, Lord, for this church, so grateful for Pastor Chapman. I pray you bring him home safely, his family, and God, that this church would continue to be a beacon in this community. We recognize, God, that you're doing something here, and we give you the honor and the glory for it. I pray for these folks here in this great church that they would continue to be faithful.
Help them, Lord, to recognize that you are more than able to do exceedingly abundantly above anything we ask or think. What an awesome thought, Lord. Thank you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.